Welcome back to the Lash Business Lounge. I am your host, Lauren Lappin, and this is the place where we talk all things lash and beauty business related. Hello, and welcome back to the Lash Business Lounge. Today, I am going to be talking to you about niching down your service offering. Now, some of you might already have a really niche offering, and that's great. I'm a big, big, big advocate for being a specialist at whatever you do in your business, whatever service you offer in your business. But what I'm seeing a lot of over the last couple of years is, say, perhaps lash artists that add other services to their menu because they want to get more clients. That's their reasoning for adding these extra services on. They don't particularly like take an interest to them or, you know, uh, they don't feel like it's something that they're going to be great at. They probably don't know if they're going to be great at it yet because if they haven't done the training and they haven't got experience in these particular services. One big one that I'm going to... (laughs) I'm going to say, and I'm sorry if this offends anyone, but I'm just going to put it out there. Teeth whitening. Teeth whitening. You know, if you're a great lash artist, lash and brow artist, or your brow artist or whatever, you know, adding teeth whitening to your repertoire, it just doesn't make sense to me. Not to mention the fact that it's really hard to promote teeth whitening on Instagram. It's a highly aesthetic platform. People don't want to see before and after photos close up of people's teeth. It's just, ew. It's just, I don't I don't want to see that. I don't want to look at that. Like if I want teeth whitening, I'm going to go to my dentist or I'm going to go to someone who specializes in teeth whitening, like, you know, a cosmetic dentist clinic. I'm not going to go to a beauty salon. I'm not going to go to a lash artist. Not to mention the setup costs with all of this. You know, if it's not what you're known for, If these services like teeth whitening are outside of your, like they're really far removed from your core offering, uh, please don't add them. Don't add them thinking that you're going to get more clients because it doesn't work. Another one that I'm going to pick on that is really gaining a lot of popularity recently is permanent jewellery. I'm sorry, but why are beauty therapists, lash artists, putting permanent jewellery on people. Like, you know, those bracelets that don't have a clasp, they, you know, you get the client in and you measure the chain length and then you solder it closed and they can't take it off. I'm seeing that a lot. And it's like, why? Like, what's this got to do with lashes? What's this got to do with brows? What's this got to do with tattooing? What's this got to do with nails? I don't, I don't know. Leave that for jewellery shops or body piercers or something like that, where, you know, it's more aligned with their core offering. You know, again, the startup costs involved. It's going to take you a while to probably get your money back. And you're going to have to work out like a whole new target client. Because let me tell you now, people want specialists. Have a think about the beauty services that you get. Would you rather go to a one-stop shop that does everything for convenience. Maybe, you know, there are some people out there still like that. I definitely 
can think of some more mature clients that have visited my business before and, you know, they've kind of said, oh, I really wish you didn't get rid of waxing because I culled waxing off my service menu or body waxing. I culled off my service menu back in 2019 and I haven't looked back since. It's, it's great not doing body waxing anymore. I'm going to tell you why in a minute, apart from the obvious reasons. But, you know, people want specialists. You know, I go to my nail artist to get my nails done. I obviously own a lash and brow salon, so I get all that sort of stuff done in my salon. But if I didn't, I would certainly go to a specialist lash and brow salon for those services. Or, you know, if I wasn't in the game, if I wasn't a beauty therapist that could do those things on myself as well. I'd go to a spray tanning salon for a spray tan. I would go to a makeup artist to get my makeup done. I don't want to go to the beauty salon that offers everything because when I see a service menu that is miles long with 15 different categories of things that they offer, and I'm going to rattle some off for you. So lash extensions, brows, tinting, manis and petties, tanning, body treatments. So massages, body scrubs, wraps, things like that. Facial treatments, dermaplaning, makeup, you name it, they've got it. They're a one-stop shop. I'm not going to go to a salon like that. I just, I just wouldn't because when I see that, when I see that type of service menu, I think, well, they're not going to be outstanding at any of these things because they don't do them often enough. They're doing bits and pieces of everything. And yes, I know that is the way it used to be. 15, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, when I did beauty, I did my diploma of beauty therapy in 2008. That was the way it was. People had full service salons and you had to do everything. And I hated doing facials. I hated it. I loved waxing. I love the instant result stuff. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I believe there's two types of beauty therapists. There's one that the ones that like making people feel good. So through massage, body treatments, um, you know, facials, things like that. They like looking after people and making them feel good. I like making people look good. I love when a client gets up off the bed, looks at themselves in the mirror and they can see an instant result and they're like, oh my God, Lauren, thank you. You're a magician. You know, so I'm talking, yeah, waxing, tans, nails, uh, makeup, lashes, brows, all of that sort of stuff. Easy, you know, quick stuff. I love making people feel good by making them look good. So instant gratification. (laughs) So it made sense that when I went out on my own, I was going to focus on the things that I was best at. And I wanted to be known for lashes. There was nobody else in my local area that specialised in lashes at the time, back in 2014 when I opened my first commercial space. So it was how I gained popularity quickly within my local area because there was nobody else doing it. There was nobody else specialising. So adding more services, you think you're going to get more clients, but it actually waters down what you're known for. You start offering and you start advertising these different things on your social media platforms and your audience starts to get confused because don't forget that, you know, the people that follow you, they only see one post at a time. 
They're not seeing your full feed all at once. Unless they actually see something that sparks their interest, they click on it and then it takes you to their profile and they actually have a little bit of a stalky stalk and they go through and look. But, you know, you might be looking at your profile as a whole all the time because you're trying to make it look aesthetic and whatever else and you're trying to differentiate your posts and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But your clients, the people in your target audience, people that follow you, they don't see your whole feed all at once. So if you're a lash artist and you post lashes, lash content, lash education, you know, sale, marketing, promo, da-da-da-da-da, before and after, client results, testimonial about lashes, and then all of a sudden you start sprinkling through some posts about permanent jewellery. <laughs> we'll use that example again. People go, they're scrolling their feed and they see a, you soldering a bracelet onto someone's wrist, a photo or a reel or whatever, and they go, who's this? Why do I follow this person? Who's that again? I don't know. They get confused. So it waters down what you're known for. It waters the fact down that you're a specialist if you start adding all these other things. So, you know, what do you want to stand out for? There might be 30 other lash artists in your town, but you can always stand out more than them by adding your own personal touch to your social media content, for example. Or, you know, it might be the way that you style the lashes. You might have a signature style. You might be known for wet look lashes. You can always differentiate a little bit within your niche, but I really, really recommend that you don't really step outside it and add services in that are so far removed from your core offering that it's going to confuse your audience and your target clientele. Now, moving on to if you have a team. Now, I can tell you now that if you've got a team and you have a really, really long service menu, it is going to take you so much more time getting them trained and up and running, making money for you in your business than what it would if you only offered a few things. So for example, in my salon now, we do lashes, lash lifts, tinting, brows, and other facial waxing. And we do seven figures a year. I have a team of seven. People have called me crazy every time I've culled my service menu down, but it works. The more I've culled off my service menu, the more money I have made, the more clients I've got, the more followers I've got on Instagram because we are specialists. So going back to training, you know, if you only offer, say, lash extensions and lash lifts, you only do lashes in your salon, it's going to only take, say, a couple of months to get a, a complete freshie, a newbie trained up and making money for you. As opposed to if you are doing body waxing, you're doing makeup, you are going to have to make sure that that person is very, very thoroughly trained and experienced in each of those services before they can be making money for you. And that takes a long time. It takes a long time for people to be good at makeup. It takes people a long time to be good at lashes and get their speed up. It takes a long time for people to be able to converse with clients and build relationships with them so they keep coming back when they're trying so hard just to do a good job. So if they are already doing a good job, they're up and running, they're doing, you know, that repetitive application of lashes, they're building that muscle memory. 
it's going to be a lot easier for them to get good at this quickly and making you money. So along with training, you're not going to have to stock a shitload of different supplies. So I used to do um, like gel polish, shellac, C&D shellac uh, when I first opened my salon. Now, I, I like painting nails. I like sitting down at a nail table. I like having a chat to my client face to face. It's a little bit different to lashes. You know, I'm good at it. I don't mind it. But there's a lot of specialists out there now that just do nails. And it's no shock to me that clients would want to go to them. Not to mention the fact that nail products are expensive. You know, you got to stock a whole color range because, you know, people still can't choose a color even if you've got a hundred. You know, it takes them 20 minutes to choose a color. So, you know, you've got to have all that. You've got to have all your disposables. You've got to have all your other chemicals that go with doing nails. There's the cleanup. You know, when I did makeup, I used to pay my team for an extra half hour on a Saturday to clean up the salon and all of the bloody makeup brushes. Is that the best use of time and money? No. No, it's not. You know, there is so much cleanup after doing makeups. And I don't want to stay behind and do that myself. It's not the best use of my time either. Not to mention the fact that, again, makeup products, you've got to stock heaps. I couldn't walk out of Sephora without dropping a grand on makeup products to use in the salon on clients. It is, it, it's a lot. You've got to stock it, you've got to have space for it, and you've got to be spending money on it. And if you're not doing those particular services very often, it just sits there and gathers dust. And I hate seeing stock sitting there gathering dust. Or especially if it's big and I've got to have space for it in my business and it's not moving. I don't like that. So I urge you to run some reports in your booking system. If you're feeling like you're listening to me and this is kind of feeling like you've got a couple of services that are on the chopping block and you're thinking you've got a little bit of an inkling that you might want to get rid of them, I urge you to run some reports in your booking system. Have a look at the services that you're not doing very often. Run a report from the highest number of you know particular services that you're doing down to the lowest. Bonus points if you cross-reference that with your highest profit margin service and your lowest profit margin service. Hopefully, the service that you're not doing very often is also your lowest profit margin service and then it's a no-brainer that you can just get rid of it. Yeah? You know, getting rid of services frees up space in your salon. It frees up money and it frees up time. Time to fit more clients in for the services that actually make you money and you enjoy doing. Because I can bet you that your highest booked service, and hopefully it's your highest profit margin one as well, fingers crossed, if it's not, put your price up. Because if you're doing lots of this particular thing, you know that people want that service from you. So it would make sense to increase the price. But I bet you that highest performing service, the one that you are doing the most often, is the one that you're best at and the one that you enjoy doing the most. I am willing to put money on it. So don't be scared. Have a little bit of a cull. In my salon, I, I told you what we do now. I don't think I'm going to cull it down anymore from what I have. The last thing that I got rid of was spray tans last year. 
The first big thing that I got rid of was nails. It didn't make a massive difference to my business. I didn't have that many nail clients by the time that I culled it. But when I got rid of body waxing, it actually allowed me to fit a whole other lash bed in my salon. When I actually got rid of the room that we did because we had a private room for waxing, I got rid of that. We put another lash bed in. I ran the numbers. My lash room was generating $25,000 of revenue in one financial year. I knew that one lash bed makes me between $150,000 and $165,000 a year. So all the services that are performed on a lash bed, when it's fully booked, that's how much that that space in my salon, that treatment area can generate for my business. So it was a no-brainer. Get rid of the room that only makes me 25K and let's add another lash bed in and add another 150 to my revenue. And that's what I did. And then I got rid of makeup the following year and added another lash bed in and started making even more money because we could fit clients in for the services that we were known for and that we were best at. So I urge you, have a little look, run the reports. Let me know if you are going to cull something off your service menu. Send me a DM. Leave it in the comments on this episode. As usual, if you found this valuable information, please leave me a rating and review. I read all of them. I love it when people do this. Or just share this podcast with someone. You know, if you think that they would be helped by the information that I share here, please share it with them. Share it on your stories. Make sure you tag me so I can repost it. And yeah, I love it when I see people, how they're listening to this podcast, whether they're exercising or driving or, you know, cleaning. I love to see that. So make sure you pop it on your stories and tag me. But that is all I've got for you today. I will see you online soon. So Josh has just asked me a question. It's really funny how involved he gets in in, in these lash business episodes now. But he's just asked me, just related to, you know, adding more services to your menu, thinking you're going to get more clients. He asked a question just regarding, does that lead to bad hiring decisions as well? And I'm going to say yes, definitely, because especially if you, you know, as the business owner decide to start offering a service that you don't know how to do personally and you're not willing to invest in the training, you think it's going to be a good idea to just bring someone on board who can perform the service for you because they've got experience in it. It's really bad because then you put yourself in a position where you're relying on them, you know, and if they were to leave, you're either going to have to cull the service and you'll have all this stock and product sitting there that you have no use for anymore and you've got clients asking, oh, where'd that person go? Oh, you know, oh, well, I'm not going to come back here because that person's not here anymore and you don't do that service anymore. So this has happened to me. I actually, it was suggested to me, this was back in 2017, so a very long time ago. It was suggested to me by a former team member that it would be a great idea to offer threading as a form of hair removal in my salon. And I knew someone locally that did threading and yeah, it really didn't work out. And I got myself into that position where I was relying upon them. Unfortunately, people who want threading usually see it as a walk-in service. They don't book appointments for threading. So 
I was giving this person hours, like scheduling in hours and opened up online bookings and things like that. I was promoting her. Again, it was watering down what we were offering in the salon um, because all of a sudden I was promoting threading, something that we didn't do before. And, you know, people would walk in and they'd be like, oh, I want to get my eyebrows threaded or my face threaded or whatever. And I was kind of like, oh, well, Roop's not here. She's in on Thursday night from five till eight. And they're like, oh, well, I'm going to walk in down the other place down the road where I can walk in and get that done. So, yeah, it, it really didn't work out. So I had to let that person go because their hours weren't filling. It wasn't building. It wasn't what we were known for. And, yeah, nobody else on my team knew how to do it. So we had that awkward time following where we got asked a lot whether we still did threading and whether Roop was still at the salon and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, I don't believe that, you know, expanding your offering by having a new staff member come on. Or actually, I've even seen people bring a new team member on to perform the services that are in their core offering. And then they might say, oh, well, actually, I'm a makeup artist too. Let's start doing makeup at the salon. And then you go, oh, yeah, brilliant idea. And then you start offering makeup and promoting it and you buy all the products and same thing. You become reliant on that person because they're the only one that can perform makeup. And then if they leave, do you take it off the menu? Do you hire somebody else that can do makeup? You know, it's it's difficult. So stick to what you know, stick to what you're good at and what you are known for and what you love doing. Don't water it down. Don't be scared to be in your niche and, you know, stick to it. 